Welcome to the Conscious Writing, Living and Leadership Podcast, a dynamic inquiry through open dialogue with soul-inspired professionals who share stories of their adventures and practical tips from lived experience of what it takes to make a real difference through showing up authentically and aligning your life and work with who you truly are. I'm your host, Julia McCutcheon. Today, I'm speaking with Mark Lesser on the topic of mindful leadership and its relevance for us all in the roles we play and the influence we have in our personal and professional lives. Mark is a CEO, Zen teacher and author who leads trainings and talks worldwide. He was a resident of the San Francisco Zen Center for 10 years and a former director of the Tassajara Zen Mountain Center. Then shortly after completing his MBA, Mark was invited to help develop the celebrated Search Inside Yourself program at Google, which introduced thousands of Google engineers to the benefits of mindfulness. He went on to serve as CEO and co-founder of the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute and currently leads mindfulness and emotional intelligence programs at many of the world's leading organizations. And I love the way that Mark has brought mindfulness practices such as developing awareness and effective listening, strengthening curiosity and compassion so successfully into business and leadership. In our dialogue, Mark tells us the story of his journey from running a Zen monastery kitchen to teaching mindfulness at Google. And he shares his realization that although he was a Zen student, he was also managing a business and involved in leadership. We discuss how we're all leaders to one degree or another because leadership is fundamentally about influence and becoming aware of how we influence and are influenced by others as we work together to create positive change and move towards a shared vision. We also talk about the seven practices of a mindful leader as a roadmap for leadership and for life, culminating in practice number seven, keep making it simpler, which enables us to avoid distractions and examine what we truly care about in the depths of our heart. So let's dive into what it takes to write, live and lead from the inside out with Mark Lesser. Mark, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Julia, it's my, my pleasure to appreciate it. Something about getting to hang out in, in England this morning is making me smile. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Okay, so let's kick off then with your journey because you've had a fascinating journey through life and developed an awful lot of leadership experience along the way. So I'd love to start by asking you to tell us the story of how you went from running a Zen monastery kitchen to teaching mindfulness at Google and providing mindfulness-based leadership trainings in your current role as CEO of your company, ZBA Associates. <laughs> well, it's funny, I've been writing, I'm working, actually working on my next book, which has kind of been, it's, it's always interesting to be, kind of still very much with with the current project, but I, I have a a real need to have the next project going. And I've been 
writing a lot about the hero's journey and the language of the calling. And I was just writing about how my, my journey in, in teaching mindfulness at Google started with a phone call, which was literally a call from, from Meng, Chad Meng Tan, who, who said, Mark, we're, we're thinking of developing a mindfulness program at Google. And so far, all we have is the name. And the name was uh, Search Inside Yourself. And uh, did I want to come be part of, or explore being part of developing this program? And, and it was like, oh, and by the way, there's no budget. Um, <laughs> but, but anyhow, that was, um, th- there's many transition points I could, I, could, I could name. You know, I also think of, I spent, I spent 10 years living at the San Francisco Zen Center. And my, my 10th year, I was the, the director of Tassajara Zen Mountain Center. And, and it was really was really in that role that it dawned on me that even though I thought that I was a, a Zen student, that I was also running a business and that I was involved in leadership. And something, something really got my attention and my passion became about how, and I wondered why isn't everyone integrating kind of awareness practice, mindfulness practice, with leadership, it just made so much sense. And as I started to do research and reading, I realized actually people were, they just weren't using that language. Uh, One of the early books, Tom Peters and Robert Waterman, In Search of Excellence, which was one of the best-selling business books ever, really, I think, talks quite a bit about awareness and and the importance of of listening. And I, I ended up uh, going to business school and started a publishing company. I started a, a calendar and greeting card company called Brush Dance, which I, I ran for about 15 years. And then it was shortly after leaving leaving that work that I got the call from Meng and, and found myself standing in front of Google engineers teaching mindfulness. And, and I found myself really drawing on my experience at the Zen Center, and particularly my experience of leadership at Tassajara as director, and, and also I spent years running the Tassajara kitchen. Lovely. So you made the point there about the fact that some people have been using contemplative practice and mindfulness and spiritual awareness in business contexts, and yet not using the language directly. So I'm intrigued to ask you about how Google engineers who are coming from a very techie state of being and and mindset, how they initially responded to the direct language of uh, mindfulness and the practices that you teach. Well, I I think a few things. One is I, I call it the dirty little secret of the business world is that it's all human beings. And, and I think Google engineers or anyone in any business, I think there is tremendous interest in how we work together, how we can cl- collaborate. I, I think of a, I had a conversation yesterday with a, a CEO of a multi-billion dollar company that 
is kind of about to step out of his role and something he was saying how how so much of leadership is becoming aware of how we influence and are influenced by others but particularly how how does what we say and what we don't say and how does what we do and what we don't do how does that how is that influencing others so there's that piece of it the other piece of it at google especially in the early days it was right at the time when there was tremendous breakthroughs happening in research and the science of mindfulness and meditation and and i think we made a point early on of presenting that science which seemed to really both i don't know help it helped settle the minds of the google engineers and that i think in combination with the 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 listening practices and the the emotional intelligence practices and and just i think just the ability to sometimes at google they would use the language of the chance to take off one's game face mm-hmm. and just be and just be present as a human being and just be curious and to practice curiosity listening and kindness was uh, was huge wonderful So you've had many years of experience of what I would call a conscious approach and and what you're describing as a mindful approach to uh, leadership. Obviously, you have also written a lot. You're the author of several books and, and it's clearly an integral part of your life. How would you sum up perhaps one or two key insights that you've gained from all of that experience of this conscious, mindful approach? Julia, it makes me think uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to give a keynote talk at a, it was a, a couple day conference of public relations executives in downtown San Francisco. And, and the, the theme of their conference was the future of mindfulness. And I started my talk opening the conference by saying that I think that without mindfulness, humans won't have much of a future on this planet. Hmm. So I think that, you know, what, what, I've, what I've gleaned is that, you know, what we call, whether you call it mindfulness or awareness or heart, heartfulness and wisdom, it is just so essential at all levels, right? There's the, there is in our own from our own well-being and how we how we take care of ourselves to our you know our family and friends relationships and and uh, how we feel and work with connections making be, be bringing the sense of awareness into our work and then more and more i think at the kind of political and global levels the the need the need for this kind of uh, this kind of heartfelt and wise and fierce awareness is is essential. Or I think I think we're I think things do not bode so well for us. And and again, I see it. I do see it at all levels. I see the the need for it in in individual company cultures. But I think it's this kind of awareness and the not being so caught by fear and not being so caught by greed, which I think are, are just part of 
who we are as humans, right? Uh, greed, greed, you know, greed, hate, and delusion have been very popular for thousands of years, yes. and they're and they're just as uh, endemic in today's world. But we actually have some awareness of that and some tools to work with that, so that we can find some way to solve real problems as opposed to make making problems worse. Excellent. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with with all that you said. I think and I loved your phrase fierce awareness. It is it is essential and I guess we're all doing our our bit, playing our our role as best we can to contribute to that fierce awareness rippling out through through the world. So you've spoken about um, leadership and you mentioned becoming aware of how we influence others as leaders. Could you say a little bit more about your definition of what leadership is and, and what it really means to be a leader in business and in life? Yeah, you know, leadership, I think, is, is essentially about influence and how we, how we are influenced and how we influence, influence others. You know, there's, there is the more traditional when we think about the, the word leader often implies a role, a leadership role. And, and there's a lot there and, and a lot of crucial kinds of, I think, skills and practices that we need to have when we are leading a team or, or leading a company and having that, that, kind of, that kind of influence or whether we're a political leader. But I also think we're all leaders in that we all whether we're in that kind of a role or not, that we all have influence. We're all work with leaders or we work with teams. So I think to me, leadership is, is that kind of working, working with others in, in uh, moving toward particular, uh, particular visions and particular uh, goals and aspirations. It, it's about creating change and, and doing it with, you know, with, with others. Excellent. Thank you. So when we put mindfulness and leadership together, how would you describe the essence of mindfulness and its relevance to leaders today, building on what you've just been describing? Yeah, it's, you know, again and again, and I, I feel like it's, um, it sounds, it sounds so simple and it's almost, it's easy to almost kind of toss it away as, oh yeah, things like words awareness things like words about listening right i spend days just working with people on how to listen better right and and how to cuz this this whole concept of mindfulness and listening means working working directly with our with our shadows with our fears with our you know we all i love that when i when i do some kind of listening work in groups and I'll, and I'll, I'll mention a topic. And as soon as I mention what the topic is immediately people, people, everyone wants to be prepared. Everyone wants to look good. Everyone wants to look impressive. Yes. You know, and, and, and we immediately create some story about whatever, whatever that topic is. And we, we humans, we are, we are incredible storytellers and and we we create these stories about who we are and what we're doing and and who other people are and and of course we have to do that but 
but somehow to me the what we call mindfulness is somehow being able to not be quite so caught by these stories and to and to have the courage to let go i've been i've been uh using some of the language recently of what i've been calling searching and finding you know mm-hmm. and that and that you know it it is searching for something that gets us to mindfulness practice or meditation practice or even it's searching for something that leads us to start a company or join a company right that we're that we're want there's something there's something that we have in mind we have something that we're we're searching for but there's something about being able to let it go and 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 have the courage to create a little space to to let go of whatever it is we think we're searching for and to see and to see what happens then and i think that's such a key part of uh, going deeper into these uh, kind of a- awareness practices into into creativity into being able to solve you know it's easy to feel stuck right you look at whether you look at relationships that you might have at work or or what looks like the insolvable problems of our food systems or energy systems and climate change but there's something about creating a little bit of space to be able to see things without being caught by our particular stories indeed and i think one of the truly impactful and and powerful results of a mindful approach is that direct perception that that arises when we do have the courage to create the space and let go of the stories and also let go of our conclusions because we we have um, a tendency to to leap to conclusions about things i feel and and those conclusions can cloud our perception of people and situations and circumstance and my understanding here is that that mindfulness is about letting all of that just dissolve and fall away and and perceiving people and situations directly and there's an immense power in that and an immense freedom to be creative to be innovative to come up with original solutions that are not bound by the conclusions and stories that we have a tendency to hang on to yeah yeah and it it takes real real work and i also think it takes real support of others it's not something that for most of us that we can do alone right it makes me think of right in my in my most recent book uh, seven practices of a mindful leader what you know practice number six is uh, depend on others but i also think a lot of what we're talking about here is reminding me of the 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 first and seventh practice right the, there's love the work and then there's keep making it simpler because all these things sound so comp- these things all sound so complicated and how can we keep coming back to continuing having a a real engagement and passion for for this work of developing one's awareness and of connecting with and helping with others and and how can we not get so entangled how can we un untangle the tangles yeah. and keep things at least somewhat simple at some of the time 
Absolutely. And, and you've mentioned the, the seven practices of, of a mindful leader. That's the, the title of your, your most recent book. And I'd love to ask you to just give us an overview of those seven practices, because I know that you put them forward as a roadmap for leadership, but they're also a pretty good roadmap, I reckon, for life in general. So uh, can you talk us through the, each of the seven practices and give us a, a brief summary of each one? Sure. They're kind of, I, I really like them, I have to say, and, and that they, they feel both very poetic and also very practical. So the poetry, you know, the seven practices as a kind of poem are, are love the work, do the work, don't be an expert, connect to your pain, connect to the pain of others, depend on others, and keep making it simpler. And very, very simply, very briefly, loving the work is, is loving the work of developing awareness and, and connecting and supporting others to see that no matter what your work role is, that I, I, I keep coming back to that this is the real work. It's the work of becoming more aware, especially how we influence others and how we're influenced by others, and cultivating an attitude of curiosity, kindness, and, and compassion. And doing the work means to actually have some kind of a, actually, it's important to have some kind of a practice, uh, some kind of a daily routine where we are stepping out of our, of our lives through meditation, mindfulness, journaling, and then to, to have some way of integrating that practice, those practices into our, our daily life. Don't be an expert. Again, I feel like we've talked a little bit about this. Is, is this uh, letting go of, of needing to be right, letting go of whatever the stories we have about that, that, get, us, that get us stuck and being willing, being willing to not know what's, what's happening and not know exactly who we are and who others are. And it's, and it's hard. And it's as hard especially. I mean, I can see people give me strange looks when I mention that practice in the work world where, where there's such, there seems to be so much aimed at knowing and being right or being smart and coming up with solutions. And all those things, of course, all those things are, are important. And yet they leave out the other, the other side of, of the importance of letting it all go in order to find real creative solutions. And the, the next two practices of, you know, again, a, a little unusual in the context of the work world, connecting to your pain and connecting to the pain of others. But it's just, again, it's a lot like the bringing in the humanness. And when we bring in the humanness, it's hard. It's challenging being, being human and just recognizing that as a way to help us be more kind, more patient, more, compassion, more compassionate with others. And very similar to the, you know, the, the sixth practice of uh, depending on others is recognizing how completely interdependent everything we do in the work world is. And then the last practice of uh, keep making it simpler. There's a few ways I think about this. One, one is just to keep coming back to what's what really matters what's what's really what's really you know what really brings me to this work what what is it that i 
really care about in 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 the depths of my in my heart and to bring that that kind of deep questioning into all all parts of our lives and to as a way of not getting so distracted by there's so much to be distracted by especially technology has not made it has not made it easier and and even without technology just the way that our our minds tend to bounce around uh, all of the things that we need to um, take care of in our our family lives, personal lives, work lives, and it's uh, uh, again, it's I, I often say it's a tough it's a tough gig being human, and it's a tough gig being human as a leader and and at work. And I think something about keeping it simple, right? And and I think. This is, I think, one of the real core things of meditation practice, and I think partly why meditation practice has become so much more accepted. And I think, I think it's going to more and more be almost re- required in business schools and in all leadership training. Just this this practice of being able to to stop, to quiet the mind, to examine to examine one's heart and to in a way it's the practice of keep keeping it simple just being with one's breath uh, one's body and one's you know one's heart and and mind it's just it just seems so obvious and yet and yet uh it's it's uh it, i recognize it's it's not easy to to actually have a regular practice it's part of I, I believe that it's part of our, our our nature, except that especially in the West, we're not brought up to value simplicity. We're actually taught about things being complex and that that's actually valued and 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 I think we have a tendency to make things more complex because it somehow feels more important and and we get caught up in the doing and and forget so much about the being and what you were saying just now about the the practice and the ability really to be able to stop and quiet the mind is such an immensely valuable way to get off that hamster wheel of busyness and to to even reflect on the the questions that you brought up earlier about what really matters I mean, it's very hard to get to the core of what really matters and what's truly important when we're rushing around being busy all the time. And so we need to pause and create space and stop and quieten the mind to to find out what really matters. And then then actually, when we find out what really matters, it seems to me that actually simplicity just is effortlessly present. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that um, definitely, definitely. And I think you know, in the way, in some way, it makes me think about how interconnected these practices are that I, that I just was talking about in that I think part of our busyness is that busyness can be a way to avoid discomfort. Uh, Busyness Mm -hmm. can be a way to avoid the various gaps that we feel, or even the discomfort of the discomfort of change, the discomfort of seeing that I said someone, one of my, one of my coaching clients the other day quoted me as saying, if you're lucky, you will get old, get sick and die. 
And he was like, what did you mean by that? If you said, and he said, you're right. If that's, you're, you're lucky if that, that, that happens. And, and, you know, who wants to face that, right? Who wants to face, who wants to face that kind of, that kind of change. And yet there are ways to face that, that, that change is also beautiful. That, that, cha- that change of our own aging, the, the change of, you know, the seeing the sun, the sun rising and setting each day and seeing the people around us grow and develop. There's just tremendous beauty in change. And there's also, you know, and there's also tremendous challenge and sadness and grief in, in, in that. And, and this is like, like how, how to be fully human and at the same time, to be able to get real stuff done and to feel the tension. I, I, I more and more recognize that there is tension between, you know, the heart, the heart of being human, being kind, being compassionate, caring, and achieving goals and getting stuff and getting stuff done. But I think they don't have to be set against each other. That I think that to me, this is the practice is, is, is aligning aligning those two what looks like two kind of not only separate but competing competing ideas of uh achieving results solving problems you know growing growing companies and doing it with real heart and real wisdom i'd like to ask you to say a few words about the importance of practice and and perhaps even define what you mean by a practice because it is so essential. And I would love to ask you to just unpack that for our listeners of what you really mean about what a practice is and the importance of having a practice as a, what I think of as the anchor in your life. Yeah, it's kind of a big, a big word. But I think, I think it helps to think about practicing a sport and how, ascent, you know, like any any athlete, whether you're a runner or tennis player or football, you, you, you have to practice. And if you're a musician or if you're a carpenter or if you're an artist, it's essential that you have a regular practice for cultivating your craft. Yes. And to me, to me, I'm talking about, I think it's the practice of seeing that being human and being a leader is a, is is a craft and it's it aims right at what these skills these skills needed to be present to be aware to recognize how we are influencing others and it's a lot easier it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot harder to do than it sounds right that we it, it's it it just takes ongoing practice to to bring that kind of presence and awareness to everything that we do Indeed. And what would you suggest would be the best way for people either to start, begin a practice that is going to support them in all that we've been discussing or deepen a practice that they may already have in relation to cultivating awareness and and having a more mindful approach? Where, Where would you suggest people start or deepen their practice? I think that there's something about uh, important about about studying, reading, reading books about mindfulness and meditation. 
And then I think sitting with others, finding if at all possible to find a, you know, like a weekly, a weekly group. There's, again, it's not possible for everyone, but for many people, especially anyone living in an urban area or a small, even a small town, it's amazing how many different kinds of meditation groups that there are. I think it's powerful to sit with others. And I strongly recommend that people experience doing retreats, ideally, Mm. you know, multiple day retreats. Um, I think as crazy as that might sound to some, to some ears, I think that sitting for multiple days, like doing a, whether it's a three day, five day, 10 day, it gives you a different, a much, much deeper experience of what meditation actually is and will inform and influence a daily, a daily practice, make a daily practice much more uh, viable and and richer. Yes. I love the whole concept of retreats, even if it's just for one day, three days, five days, however many days it is, the commitment to carve out and create time and space away from your regular routine to focus on your chosen priority. And in this case, we're talking about meditation and mindfulness. I think is just an amazing gift actually to oneself and to the, the future expression of, of ourselves in, in any way of life with our work and in our families. So just one final question before we close, and that is, we've talked a lot about um, the, the benefits of, of mindfulness and meditation and this more aware, compassionate approach. I just wonder if you could give us an example of a time when uh, mindfulness, and we'll just use that term to cover all of these, where mindfulness made a real tangible difference in in your life and and specifically to your leadership. Yeah, I think my, I, I feel like I'm, I'm using it so often in the teaching that I do and in the coaching that I do. But, you know, I also think of, I've, I've created a couple of different companies and, you know, most recently I, I started the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. And before that I created a, a publishing company called Brush Dance. And I think it's so critical that kind of, that work, that constant work of developing bringing that kind of awareness and presence to creating cultures, to creating, to creating cultures where cultures of trust and cultures of energy and cultures of connection and problem solving that where people are looking for solutions as opposed to getting embroiled in the politics and in the fears and working and using mindfulness practice to work directly with fears and shadows and to to not avoid things that are painful and, and difficult, and to keep coming back to creating alignment, to really work on getting people's alignment in both hearts and, and minds. Beautiful. Thank you, Mark. Well, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to, to speak with you. Well, likewise, likewise, Mark. And you mentioned that you're writing another book. So just briefly tell us what you're really inspired about for the next chapter of your life. Well, I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing about, it's funny how I, I go through this. I, 
I, I have a love-hate relationship with this process of like, what is this book? I but understand. It has, <laughs> it, 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 it has something to do with power and how you use your power and the connection with power and how we find our way in, in, this, in this life. So that's what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking about and writing about. Excellent. Well, I wish you well with that. It sounds like a fascinating exploration. I'll look forward to seeing the fruits of that in due course. And thank you so much for joining me, Mark. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. The pleasure has been mine. Take care. Find out more about Mark at marklesser.net. Coming up on the Conscious Writing, Living and Leadership podcast, we have Adrienne Gibson speaking on developing courage for change and authentic leadership. Adrienne is a specialist in transformational change, whose corporate experience combined with her own personal transformation, give her a unique perspective on driving change with courage and authenticity. To expand your inquiry on the topics we're discussing here on the podcast, head over to juliamccutcheon.com slash podcast and click on any of the gold listen here links, which will take you to the individual pages for each episode. On the right hand side, you'll see the deep dive free download box where you'll access additional content, including tips to apply what you learn, episode transcripts to read, and insightful questions to reflect on. Enjoy exploring this conscious path of mastery and flow. And thanks for listening. This is Julia McCutcheon signing off and wishing you a joyful experience of making the difference you're here to make through showing up authentically and aligning your life and work with who you truly are. <laughs>